Here's today's reminder. If your church is going to grow, you have to equip your leaders. But how do you do this? How do you empower the leaders at your church to lead well? Join us at equiplab.com backslash church leaders. We're here to equip your ministry team to thrive. Just go to equiplab.com backslash church leaders and join us today. Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Day. And before I introduce our next podcast topic, I have an exciting announcement. On July 1st, the team at Outreach welcomed Ed Stetzer as general editor of Outreach Media Group and editor-in-chief of Outreach Magazine. Among his many roles and accomplishments, Ed is executive director of the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center and dean of the School of Mission, Ministry, and Leadership, as well as the regional director for Lausanne, North America. Now, as part of his new role at Outreach, he'll be taking over as host of the Church Leaders Podcast, which will relaunch in August as the Stetzer Church Leaders Podcast. Ed is a trusted voice in the fields of church planting, evangelism, missiology, and cultural engagement, and will bring his experience into our conversations with the church leaders who are helping us navigate these challenging times. It has been an absolute joy and privilege to host the Church Leaders Podcast. I've loved getting to have conversations with amazing church leaders about all aspects of ministries and to come alongside you, our listeners, in learning how to love well and lead well as we serve the body of Christ together. Thank you for joining me on that journey. Now, as we look forward to our relaunch as the Stetzer Church Leaders Podcast, we thought it would be helpful to explore the benefits and the challenges of church online. Many churches were already streaming their services online before the COVID-19 pandemic, but the 2020 lockdowns compelled congregations to go online and expand their digital presence. Now that we're able to gather again, church leaders are wondering, what does church online look like in a post-COVID world? Ministry leaders have differing views about how to answer this question. Some believe that church can exist entirely online without ever meeting in person. Others believe that gathering in person at least some of the time is essential. For the next few weeks, we'll have conversations with church leaders from a variety of perspectives about how COVID-19 changed church and what that means for us going forward. And now on to this week's guest. Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast, conversations with today's top ministry leaders to help you lead better every day. And now podcasting from scenic Colorado Springs, Colorado, here's your host, Jason Day. Jay Kim joins me this week as we discuss the value of proximity and practice for the lifelong journey of discipleship. Jay serves as lead pastor of teaching at Westgate Church in the Silicon Valley and teacher in residence at Vintage Faith Church in Santa Cruz, California. Jay is the author of Analog Church, which addresses the many challenges and opportunities churches face in the digital age. Now, in this episode, Jay shares his thoughts on how the pandemic has impacted church as we know it, including digital opportunities, the importance of in-person community, and the long-term behaviors of church attendees. Jay offers real-world examples of how his church approached ministry and discipleship, the learnings that they found, and new and hopeful ways forward as the church. Such a great perspective. You're going to want to share this with your entire leadership team. Now, please, won't you join me in my conversation with Jay Kim. Jay, welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast. It's so good to have you back with us. Yeah, so good to be back. Thanks. Now, Jay, we published um, my interview with you on March 11th of last year, the last time that, that we were together on the podcast. And this was, that was right before 
the entire country went into lockdown and churches, yeah. you know, had to had to move online for the most part. A lot of what you had to share um, in, in that conversation that we had uh, related to uh, many of the shortcomings um, of connecting with people digitally. But then we found ourselves in quarantine. We found ourselves in the midst of a pandemic, and connecting online was, uh, in many instances, all all some people had, right? Yeah. Even, yeah. even as a means of worship, and, and we saw this. So, so Jay, <laughs> um, the big question is: Did the pandemic um, change any of your views on digital versus in-person connection? Um, did it confirm what you already believed, or you know? How did you kind of navigate that um, in light of the pandemic and everything that we were facing? Yeah, it's a great question. It's, uh, you know, the answer is yes and yes. <laughs> <laughs> it, it changed some things for sure. Um, I will say I've, I've readily admitted this in, um, you know, conversations with people. Uh, I definitely uh, have a greater appreciation for what digital can do. Uh, you know, when I think back on the year that has been and uh, over a year now of sort of living in lockdown, and I, I can't imagine what, what it would have been like had we not had the digital tools and the online mediums that have mediated for us some semblance of connection. So I am more grateful for those tools today uh, in very pragmatic ways than I was pre-pandemic. Um, so, uh, you know, I guess the answer is, is yes. Some of my thinking has changed in terms of my depth of gratitude. Um, uh, also in terms of, uh, you know, creative ways to leverage digital in order to mediate more meaningful connection. I think that there, um, there's a more expansive sort of ability within digital to do some of that in ways that, uh, I probably personally consider very deeply, uh, you know, pre-pandemic. And I wrote my book pre-pandemic. You know, when I was writing it, I had no idea that this uh, virus was going to shut us down the way that it did. Um, so in some ways, yeah, my thinking has changed. Uh, not like a 180 sort of turning around completely, but in terms of my depth of appreciation and um, I think if you go back and read the book, the reality is I don't, uh, you know, I think I'm fairly clear that the problem is not the technology. Right. The problem is, uh, you know, misuse or, or abuse of said technology. So in, in those ways, it's sort of affirmed those ideas. I think the pandemic forced us to use and leverage the technologies appropriately. And at the same time, maybe more than that, though, I think what the pandemic did was more deeply affirm some of the ideas that I share in the book, uh, some of the, the ideas I had before the pandemic in that embodied human beings need embodied human beings. You know, it wasn't long after we went into lockdown that we began reading article after article about digital fatigue and Zoom fatigue and how mediating all of our interactions with one another over screens was actually exhausting in some ways mm -hmm. that it was it felt uh, like it fell short of, uh, you know, the sort of connection we truly need with one another. And I think we're seeing that, you know, in a variety of ways as people start to uh, come back from the pandemic. And I think that means lots of different things for the church, uh, 
But, um, you know, all in all, I think, and the big picture sort of broad sweeping narrative of things, uh, what the pandemic has shown more than anything, in my opinion, is that um, digital is not enough. It's a great tool. We're grateful for it, for sure. Uh, but it's not enough, you know, it's not the end. Um, so there you go. Those are my, my sort of initial thoughts. Yeah, yeah, that's good, Jay. And, you know, it's interesting as we, as we found ourselves in the throes of the pandemic, like you said, there was the digital fatigue and there was this, this absolute hunger for people to be in proximity with people. I mean, we saw that, you know, I mean, we experienced it ourselves, you know, and, and we saw it even in the media and in the news um, talking about, you know, just that the human experience and, and how kind of isolation can be so difficult and, and even um, isolation when you have digital communication, it's still, you know, still not that kind of in-person sense of being with people. So um, it, it is fascinating to think how um, the pandemic helped, you know, and specifically churches, many churches advance kind of their digital expressions of ministry, yep. um, which which I think is important and helpful, as you've mentioned. It's not that technology is, is horrible. It's just how do we how do we use the technology in a way that doesn't lead to um, you know, suppressing relationships, right? Um, right. And so, so there's that there's that interesting give and take that we've experienced, where the technology has been helpful, and and uh, we've we were able to to continue to gather in in many many ways um, with technology because of technology. Um, but then there was also that human hunger for for in person relationships. So just just pretty fascinating. Jay, tell me, do you think that church leaders, pastors, ministry leaders were able to accomplish um, effective transformative discipleship even when they're not able to meet in person last year? I mean, have you have you kind of process through that. And I'm sure you've had some conversations with, with other pastors and, and church leaders on the kind of the discipleship side, because this is a big conversation now, right? Um, yeah. h- how much discipleship can happen um, when you're not, you know, in the same room with someone? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I think the question itself in some ways is interesting because when we ask the question, do we need um, embodied analog sort of experiences in order to accomplish effective discipleship in the lives of our people versus how effective can we be in terms of discipleship with digital? That sort of dichotomy, I think, in my opinion, misunderstands uh, what discipleship actually is, which is a, a patient, deep, communal process and a lifelong process. So the question itself is almost a misnomer in in my understanding, my best understanding biblically of discipleship. If discipleship is really truly a life of apprenticeship to Jesus, meaning it is a lifelong journey of living in close proximity to Jesus and practicing the ways of Jesus. That's probably the best way I could explain discipleship. It's the way I explain discipleship to people, to anybody who asks, that it is about proximity and practice, that we live closely with Jesus and that we practice the way of Jesus 
uh, and that way is by its very, very nature communal. Um, discipleship is not a solo venture. I mean, to think right. that discipleship is just an individual endeavor actually misunderstands what discipleship is. We are not just saved into heaven. We are saved into the family of God that is together collectively being shaped and refashioned and reimagined and uh, remade into Christ likeness every day. Um, together, collectively. And of course, that means individual change for sure, but individual change for the sake of um, not just ourselves, but for the sake of the community and for the sake of the world. So if that is true, then I think the question has to become a bit more expansive. You know, rather than asking the question, were we able to, to mediate and instigate and provoke uh, effective discipleship in our people through digital means, I think we need to ask the question, what components of the discipleship journey are mediated effectively via digital means? And then what components demand embodied analog experiences? And the truth is, um, for us at our church, for example, one of the fascinating things we discovered was um, we do alpha here, which is mm -hmm. uh, for those who are not familiar, and many are, but for those who are not familiar, alpha is a learning environment, a communal learning environment for those who are exploring faith. So typically it's a lot of non-Christians, it's a lot of de-churched people who are starting to come back or they're exploring or they're asking questions about life and spirituality. So Alpha is, is a safe place for those who are not faithfully following Jesus typically, but are curious and want to know more. What we discovered in, during the year of the pandemic, surprisingly, beautifully so, is that our Alpha gatherings grew exponentially on Zoom. For some reason, uh, for that demographic and for the sort of content that was being shared in, in Alpha and for the sorts of questions that were coming up and the discussions that were happening, for some reason, and I think there's a variety of reasons for this, but the digital space was actually really conducive to those types of conversations. And so right now we're having conversations about um, keeping alpha online, or at least keeping an online option going for alpha. There's a sort of uh, a safety and a comfort level um, that that creates for people who are asking those sorts of questions. So a really beautiful story is we had two alpha groups go completely digital during the pandemic. And both of those groups just recently met in person for the very first time. They did like an all day retreat. That's awesome. Was, beautiful uh, prayer center um, by the ocean here about 30 minutes away. And they met for the first time. And it was this beautiful celebration of like, man, we know each other, we're friends, but we've never met in person. And we've been on this spiritual journey together. And now here we are shoulder to shoulder. And there's this built in sort of connection that was mediated online. And that actually worked out beautifully for us. So in some ways, it's like, for us, we're answering the question very pragmatically saying, you know, those initial um, steps into the beginning steps of the journey of following Jesus, and maybe digital, digital spaces are really conducive to that. 
And then now we're asking the question, well, now that these folks have gone through Alpha, many of them have made brand new first-time commitments to follow Jesus, professions of faith. They're getting baptized and wanting to take the next step. Now they're stepping into more analog, embodied, in-person realities with some of our um, next steps in terms of our discipleship process here in our church and jumping into a small group. We call them life groups here. So uh, I think that's the way we're asking and responding to the question rather than saying, is digital effective in terms of discipling our people or does it have to be analog? We're instead asking the question, if discipleship is a lifelong journey, it's a patient process, it's going to take not weeks or months, it's going to take years and years, it's going to take a lifetime. We're asking the question, okay, which of these pieces during that journey can we mediate online effectively? And then which of these pieces do we need to invite people to show up uh, in embodied ways? And so we're navigating that. And I think for us, at least at our church, that's been a helpful way to think about it rather than making it monolithic and saying right. it can it can be all digital or it needs to be all in-person analog. We're asking the question, which components are effective digitally? Let's do that. And then let's then answer the question, which components have to be embodied and in-person? Yeah, I, I love that, Jay. And I, I, I too am a big fan of Alpha and um, have had lots of conversations. I do a lot of work with Alpha organization. And and I remember even Nikki, Nikki Gumbel, who... Yep overseas alpha you know globally pretty much mm-hmm. um i remember he was he was hesitant i was sharing because he's in the uk and you know they had a very very strict lockdown and, and i remember his, he shared his hesitation about there's no way alpha could work digitally you know because there's such a big hospitality component and all that yeah. and, and you know he shared he was shocked and it same experience you know as he was running alpha you know there was this um you know vulnerability Pe- people were were more vulnerable in a, yeah. in a way. And I've heard this from many, many pastors um, with some of those kind of digital, especially, as you said, kind of initial experiences, more of those kind of people who are exploring questions and, and Alpha's, you know, does that very, very well. You know, there's that opportunity for people to kind of dig in and ask questions and 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 maybe ask questions that were a little easier over a Zoom call than sitting across the table from someone. And um, yeah. So it's fascinating, and and I love to to hear stories like yours and, and what your church has experienced because, um, again, it shows um, in a beautiful way the the breadth of the kingdom of God. You know what I mean, and just how how God continues to, um, you know, and the Holy Spirit continues to work um, through through different ways, different modes. If if we have an openness, like you were saying, an openness not to just you know toss something into a bucket or box something in, but actually ask God. Okay, where are you at work right now? How are you at work? How do we participate in that? How do we engage that? How do we how do we do that to the best of our ability? So so I love I love what you know you guys have experienced. So Jay, one of the big questions that has kind of come out of the pandemic uh, in relation to um, really like online worship is that many people who are regularly attending church. Uh, began attending online because that was the option, you know, for many. Um, and some, it seems like their their view or perspective of church um, has shifted, right? Um, some have shifted to, to a point where really uh, they feel as if, you know, 
doing church or being a part of a church an entire virtual experience is is fine they've become comfortable with that uh, tell me jay how how do you how do you speak into that what what do you what do you see what are your concerns maybe um for those who are kind of shifting in that direction yeah it is a concern it's an area of concern for us um at our church and it's an area of concern i think for many church leaders uh that's anecdotal for me um but almost every conversation i've had with church leader friends they share the same concern so i assume that it's pretty widespread it's undeniable that the past you know almost 18 months now of being in lockdown and i know we're, we're entering a post-pandemic world now you know and thankful for that for sure but the past 18, nearly 18 months, uh, it is undeniable this time has rehabituated and reformed um, us as people uh, in a variety of ways, not just with the church, but in so many ways it has reshaped and reformed us. I mean, one of the biggest ways is uh, with work, you know, just the way people think about work here where I live and serve um, as a pastor in the Silicon Valley of California, which is like the tech hub of the world, the epicenter of digital, um, we've had uh, uh, quite the exodus. Um, some, of the, some of the news articles about the mass exodus from Silicon Valley, um, the data is showing that it has been a bit overblown, uh, but not by much. There has been an exodus. I mean, and anecdotally, just at our church, uh, we've done some research here and I, and I serve, you know, at a large multi-site church, uh, our anecdotal sort of semi data driven best guess is that over the past year, year and a half, we've lost probably 25% of our church. Yeah. Um, not like just leaving our church, but like leaving the area, <laughs> you know, they're moving right, to right. Idaho and Texas and Tennessee and Colorado and Oregon. They're moving to places where, um, they can sell their house here and buy two houses there, you right, know, right, or right. buy, uh, you know, a 4,000 square foot mansion on the lake, you know, for the, the price they, they bought a condo, you know, here. Right, in the right. Valley. So, and the reason they're able to do that is because their, their companies are basically saying, Hey, indefinitely, we're just going to allow you to work remotely, you know, and um, not everybody, some of the big tech companies are beginning to get their people back into the office. So that may shift things a little bit, but at least as it stands now, we've had a, a massive you know, uh, shift in terms of the demographic here. So we're seeing that all over the place and we'd be foolish to think that that doesn't affect the church and that that sort of shift in mindset doesn't affect the way people think about church and about their ecclesiology. And I think my concern has to do with the fact that church is not work. It's not... Um, you know, it's not a for-profit experience where you go and you put in your time to get a particular paycheck. But very subtly, I think that people have sort of entrenched themselves in that sort of thinking about church, that church is primarily a peddler of Christian content and that we pay a particular price, whether it's through, you know, worshipful giving or giving your offering and tithing or serving or um, just by giving your time and your energy or your loyalty to a particular local church, we pay a particular premium or a price in order to get the Christian content. And I think that's my main concern is that this, the pandemic has sort of, we, people were already thinking that way, but I'm concerned that the pandemic has entrenched people 
even more deeply in that sort of mindset when it comes to the church. Uh, and even more so because church was all online. And if everything is online and you believe the church to be a peddler of Christian content, then church becomes nothing more than Netflix. You know, when I log on to Netflix, there's the endless queue of different movies and TV shows that Netflix is sort of, the algorithm is telling me I'd be interested in some of these things. And I'm concerned that people see church that way now, you know, that it's all online. So I push a couple of buttons and I can switch from the local church I was a part of for many years to uh, the local church, you know, on the other side of the country because they've got a great speaker and I love right. listening to that speaker or they've got better music than my local church. And so we, we are becoming more and more entrenched in a sort of consumeristic mindset, something that was already happening uh, before the pandemic. But in some ways, in more hopeful ways, and this is hopefully a hopeful word for church leaders, what um, some of the, the be best missiologists in the country have been saying for a while, people like Ed Stetzer and others, is that what the pandemic did is not usher in something brand new, but rather simply speed up something that was already happening. That um, I heard Kerry Newhoff, I think, I read something he wrote the other day where he basically said, listen, where we are today with church attendance and the drop off in church attendance is somewhere we were already headed. Hmm. But rather than taking five long years to get there, the pandemic just sped up the process. And while on one hand, that might be depressing as a church leader, I actually see that as a gift as a strange subversive gift. I, I, because I think the missiologists are right. I think the trajectory was showing us that we were headed toward an intersection where truly committed people were gonna like deeply entrench themselves in their local church and help move the mission forward. And that marginal Christians and marginal sort of churchgoers were gonna continue wavering in their commitment. You know, the average of like 1.7 Sundays a month or whatever that the average churchgoer was attending, that trajectory was decreasing, you know, month right. by month, it felt like where people were attending less and less as like, you know, their kids sports programs were now on Sundays and the beach and all sorts of leisurely activities. I mean, so much. And so I think the pandemic has sped that up. Um, you know, I think a lot about Mark Sayers, who is a pastor and writer and um, cultural commentator from Australia. You know, he talks a lot about it. He's got this book called Reappearing Church that we're reading together with our elder board here. It's a fantastic book. And he talks a lot about a faithful remnant you know, and uh, this sort of remnant of people who are truly committed and how God and, and um, the spirit of God typically moves in those sort of focused, small, core, committed men and women to bring about broad sweeping um, change, renewal leading to revival. And he talks about how revival is just when renewal goes viral. But renewal is something that starts in us individually and then in these smaller groups, these remnants of the faithful. And so I think in many ways, yes, I am concerned, but uh, more so than the concern, I'm actually quite optimistic. I'm excited. Uh, and that sounds paradoxical because in some ways, I am bracing myself 
for lower attendance. I'm bracing myself for our numbers to look smaller. Now I'm hope I hope that that's not true. I hope that I'm right. pleasantly surprised and that's not true. But I'm bracing myself for that reality. But I but I don't see that necessarily as a loss. I see that as an opportunity uh, for rebirth and for renewal and hopefully prayerfully. Um, that renewal leads to revival. So I think what the pandemic has done, as the missiologists have been saying, it has simply sped up some, uh, a sort of intersection that we were already headed toward. And for me and my personality and the way I lead, there's a part of me that's like, great, that I would prefer that. I'd rather get to that point now so that we can move forward and push through. And so Hopefully, that is a hopeful word for, for pastors and church leaders. We, we're at an intersection now that we probably were not going to get to for another half decade or so, mm-hmm. but here we are. And maybe we don't feel ready, but we're here. And so we need to prayerfully begin thinking about what it looks like to lean into renewal and pray that it leads to revival. Yeah, yeah, that's a helpful helpful perspective, Jay. Thanks for sharing that. I have one more question that... Um, you mentioned, and, and we've seen this, and the the kind of consumeristic mindset that that many have with church, and and like you said, that's been, you know, we've been as pastors, we've been dealing with that for 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 many years, and it just has accelerated, right, because of the pandemic, and people could, like you said, Netflix, you know, they could listen to whomever they wanted to, what you know, great worship bands or you know, different speakers and that sort of thing. So, so there's that kind of consumeristic side, but. There, there are some and, and a growing number of pastors and ministry leaders who believe that um, authentic community can be developed digitally and solely online, um, that, that people do not need to be in physical proximity to have strong community. And, uh, and we've seen you know, many churches that have developed um, that are solely online with no intention whatsoever of, of being anything different. Um, there have been church plants that, you know, had intended to plant um, in, in last year, you know, in the midst of the pandemic and have shifted completely to be um, digital churches. Uh, so I'm, I'm just curious, Jay, and I don't want to put you on the spot, but I do kind of want to put you on the spot, right? <laughs> um, like, what, what are your thoughts in regard to community being developed um, purely in a virtual format and I'm just really curious because of all the, all the research, all the study, all that you've done and you've provided for the, for the church. What are your thoughts on that? I think that community can be developed online. And by developed, a better word, uh, in my opinion, would be initiated mm. and mediated. Um, I do think that that's possible. But I do not believe that at the core of human experience and the way that human beings are hardwired, that the deepest levels of connection we have with one another, I do not believe that digital connection will ever um, satisfy fully. I think that embodied human beings long for other embodied human beings. Now, um, you know, the best example I can give is uh, when I travel, you know, I was just traveling uh, last month for, for work, um, for ministry stuff. I was out of town speaking at another church. 
So when I was out of town, you know, uh, I, I landed and I drove to my hotel. And the first thing I did was FaceTime my wife and my kids. Mm -hmm. And it was so great. I was so grateful, you know, and I was able to see their faces and hear their voices. And we talked about our day and we caught up and we did all the stuff that on paper you should do in a relationship, like actual conversation and connection and all those sorts of things. Now, you would think me the worst father and husband in the world if I said, you know, this is great, and I'm in San Diego, eight hours away from my family, but I really love San Diego and the beach and the fish tacos here. I think I'm going to stay. I know I've got a wife and kids eight hours away, but like I've got my phone. I can just FaceTime them. I'm just going to live in San Diego and leave my wife and kids in the Silicon Valley. If I said that, you'd be like, what is wrong with you? Like, what kind of? Because the reality is like the digital is great and I'm grateful and it definitely initiates connection. It can mediate relationship as well. And so I'm grateful for that when I'm away. But what it really gives to me, what it really makes me do is like long to be back home with them, to hold my real kids and my real wife and my real arms and give them real hugs. Mm -hmm. Now, people would push back and they would say, well, that's because that's your family, Jay. Like the church is not your family. They're just people living life. And to that, I would say, well, let's, let's pause for a moment and read how high the bar is set in terms of how the New Testament writers explain what the church is. Like the church is family. And that is not, in the words of like, when Paul writes in the New Testament in various letters that you are brothers and sisters, like semantic satiation has taken hold. We just hear that so often. We're like, oh yeah, you're my brother in Christ or my sister in Christ. Paul did not mean it as a poetic metaphor. He meant it literally. Mm -hmm. I mean, quite literally. Like this is your new family, like your literal family. And you need to function that way. Now, it doesn't mean that we're going to feel that way about the hundreds of people at our church. In my case, there's thousands of people at our church. I'm not going to have that sort of deep connection with all, you know, 3,000 people at our church. But what it does mean is that that is where the bar has been set, that that's the pursuit that I must be after when it comes to my growing love for the church. And if that's true, then it's not enough for me to stop at the online digital mediation. I have to ask the question, if I really am pursuing these men and women as family, as inconvenient and as difficult as it is sometimes, man, it feels like it's not enough for me to say, well, I chatted with you online. There has to be a sort of longing to be with one another. You know, and I, I said earlier uh, about discipleship that it's proximity and practice. And I think in many ways, discipleship within the family of God includes those things. We have to long for and not just force ourselves, but as we grow in love toward one another, we will naturally long for proximity you know, and practicing the way of Jesus together, shoulder to shoulder, breaking bread with one another. Um, there's, you know, it's one of the reasons why, like, if you go to restaurants now, they're packed because people have been dying to sit down and share a meal together. During the pandemic, I had lots of lunch meetings on Zoom where we would like bring our food and we would right. eat and watch each other eat you know, and listen to each other chew on Zoom and have a lunch meeting. It was not the same, you know, to be in the same space, to actually break bread, to smell the same food and to eat, you know, like all of those things are so 
critically important. And so I would say, yes, uh, meaningful connection can be initiated and mediated online, but they're never complete online. Mm. Um, and, and I think uh, it's not that we have to have those sorts of deep connections with everybody. That's not possible, you know, um, but to long for it and to pursue it with as many as we can uh, is critically important. I think that's a part, a big part of what it means to be the church together. Yeah, that's so good. So helpful, brother. Well, I so appreciate you taking the time to to hang out with us again and, and talk through this Um T- tell our listeners if they want to connect with you, um, you know, maybe on social or or your your website, and and then of course with Analog Church, um, the book that you publish. I know you have a new project that you're working on right now. You can share share a little bit about that as well, if you yeah. can. Yeah, thanks, Jason. Well, thanks for having me on. Appreciate you and um, all the work that you and your team do. Uh, yeah, you can just find all my stuff online. My website is jkimthinks.com. And uh, that's also my handle on Instagram and uh, Twitter and Facebook, just jkimthinks. Um, and then, yeah, I, uh, I am working on a follow-up book to Analog Church. Uh, it's called Analog Christian. And it's just about discipleship in the digital age, um, practice and proximity and all those sorts of things and how the digital age is sort of undone and is undoing some really critically important components of uh, what it means to follow Jesus. And so that uh, comes out, um, I think, in early to mid-2022. So we're probably about nine to 12 months away. It's called Analog Christian. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to get it out there. Excellent. Awesome, brother. Well, like I said, it's always good to, to chat with you and, and hear how God's working in you and through you. And uh, you always have so much wisdom to bring from from your experience. And, and I love because you are um, you're living this out. You know what I mean? So you're, you're experimenting. I don't know if experimenting is the best word, but you are, you know, you're working through, you're navigating this. And so it's yeah. always good to hear how uh, you and your church and, and your team are navigating this. And and it's uh, so informative and helpful for us. So thank you again, Jay, for being with us. Uh, so much appreciate all that you're doing, brother. Thanks so much, Jason. Appreciate you. All right. God bless you. Thanks. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Church Leaders Podcast. Be sure to check out the other episodes in this series. You don't want to miss out on the full discussion. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss any of our interviews. We'd appreciate it if you could take just a few moments to let us know your thoughts by leaving us a review on your preferred podcast platform or sending an email to podcast at churchleaders.com. Your positive reviews and ratings help other ministry leaders find us and benefit from our content. So until next time, this is Jason Day encouraging you to love well and lead well. You've been listening to the Church Leaders Podcast. For articles, videos, and free resources that will help you lead better every day, visit our website at churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening.